Good morning. It's time for Two Guys on Sports. I'm Larry Hayes. I'm Dick Olson. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, Dick. And, uh, well, there's no shortage of uh, high school events to talk about uh, this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're winding down, and we got a lot to talk about. So. Yeah, let's uh, <laughs> let's start, first of all, with uh, the Chlorabelle Conference track and field meets that were held earlier this week, and the Nielsville boys win their third straight Eastern Chlorabelle yeah, Conference crown. exciting uh, night for the Warriors. Like you said, three in a row, Larry, and some great individual performances, and uh, Nilzo took first with 140. Uh, Owen Withy with 129 was second. Spencer third with 113. But uh, Ashton Schultz, who's been uh, the, the headliner for the Nilzo track team yeah. all season, a triple winner, uh, winning the 110 uh, meter hurdles, the 300 meter hurdles, and the high jump with a jump of 5'8. So uh, great job for Ashton there. But, uh, you know, Larry, you don't win these meets without uh, some depth either. And, right. Um, Landon Comer, who's been right up there with Ashton all season in the hurdles, was fourth in the 110 hurdles and second in the 300 hurdles. So, And then uh, Cameron Kennedy, third in the high jump, second in the long jump. So uh, some pretty good uh, depth there for the Warriors, and uh, but a lot of great individual performances over there, Larry. And one that really caught my eye was Brecken Miller yeah. of Spencer, yep. 13 feet in the pole vault. That is uh, yeah. That's some state qualifying that stuff was, there. Uh, 13 feet would have finished second in D3 last year, Larry. Yeah. So, And his teammate, Kyle Neiman, was second at 12 feet, another respectable one. Yeah. And then Jonathan Jonas of Spencer, first in the 100 and the 200-meter dashes. So uh, pretty good deal there. And then uh, Columbus Catholic, uh, Isaac Scherr, winning both the 1,600 and the 3,200. And then... uh, Nathan Zarens of Owen Withy winning both the uh, discus and the shot put. And Rogan Travis of Greenwood was second in both those events. So uh, uh, good job there. And then uh, Caden Healy from Colby, uh, first in the long jump, second in the high jump to Ashton Schultz. So, But, uh, you know, you talk about depth, Larry. Uh, Nilzo, of course, beat Owen Withy by 11 points. But it should be pointed out, Owen Withy is missing Logan Amacher this spring. And Logan was uh, last year a qualifier in the state 110-meter hurdles in D3, finished ninth. And he was eighth in the pole vault at state with 12-6. So um, Logan got hurt at the end of basketball season, tried to come back during the tournament, but didn't do it, and is skipping the season. So hopefully, I've heard he's heading to college to run track somewhere. But, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he might have made a little bit of difference here too. Yeah, But. uh, Great! What a great meet up there at Gilman on the boys' side. Yeah, so. uh, you look at those times in the mile, and boy, I tell you, it wasn't that long ago when you weren't seeing these sub-five-minute miles, yeah. but now yeah. uh, the top five times are all under five minutes. Yeah, and, you know, like Isaac Shear, he's been chasing Tater Lowry for a couple of years. Right, so. yeah. <laughs> 435 yeah. in, that, uh, Isn't it? in and, that mile. And that, that'll be state placing numbers right there, too. So And Mason Gay from uh, Owen Withy right behind. Yes. That's too far. So Yeah, he had a good day, too, uh, in 800 and the 1600 also. So. Yeah. So. Uh, then you go to the girls' side, and uh, the Dalesville girls finished a uh, respectable third, but it was the loyal girls who took first in the conference this year. Yeah, and, you know, we talk about depth, Larry, here, too, but uh, – the first name that stands out to me up there is uh, Gracie Tallier yeah. from Gilman. Yep. First in the 100 meter, first in the 200 meter, first in the 400 meter, and first in the long jump. But you want to talk about depth, uh, how Loyal won this. Addison Wolf, who's a freshman for Loyal, she ran second to Tallier in the 100, 200, and the 400 meter. <laughs> and then she took third in the high jump. 
but she was behind her two teammates, the Zovalina sisters. <laughs> Alyssa, the senior, plays first, and Autumn, the sophomore, plays second. Addison Wolf was third. But uh, Loyal also had Sheila Tellock first in the pole vault, 9-6, very nice. And then uh, they won the 4 by 100 relay. Um, Nilsville, very nice there. Uh, Ava Miller with a first in the triple jump. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the Warriors winning the 4 by 200 relay and the 4 by 800 relay, which is tremendous because uh, both Colby and Loyal have had tremendous years running relays. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. yeah that was uh, – we, we knew it would be competitive up there as yeah. far as that girls' end went. Yeah. And, and then, uh, Loyal and Colby were the top two. Yeah, and speaking of Colby, they had a couple of double winners too. Hayden Wilner. She won the 100 and 300 hurdles, and then McKenna Herman won the 1600 and 3200. So, very good job for Colby, but uh, Loyal, hands down, was the winner of this tournament. Yeah, and again, we talked about depth, and uh, you don't always have to have the first place finishers. Nope. It's nope. how uh, many other finishers it's, it's, it's you have. It's a lot of second places and third places. You know, they go down to six or seven places, eighth places, I believe, Larry, and and uh, as many of them you can stack in the middle, the better. So, yeah. So. Bailey Engel had a good uh, yeah. a good day as well. Winning the shot put. Winning the shot put. Yep. And uh, da- uh, Dalen Reek of yep. Colby winning that discus throw. You bet. Only so, a freshman. Yeah. I see that, which is tremendous for a weight event. A right. freshman. Yeah. You don't see that happening very often. No, you so. don't. No, you don't. Uh, they'll get ready now for uh, regionals uh, in track and field. And those come up uh, next Monday okay. uh, around the area for uh, teams. Then they advance on to uh, the sectionals, so should be some uh, interesting uh, regionals yeah, coming they're, up. They're going to be pushing it, yeah, yeah. Very good regionals, and then their sectionals will come right up. Their state meet is the second and third of June, Larry. So yeah, down at Lacrosse. So yeah, some good stuff coming up there in uh, yeah. track and field. Boys uh, golf, uh, McDonald Regis uh, wins their third straight Clorabel Conference champion uh, championship, and they were kind of heads and tails above the rest yeah, of the field they, they this ha- year they have been all year larry yeah it's uh they they were the favorite going in and and uh and they proved it they you know very good course down skyline but uh um caught my eye and i know you mentioned this on the radio i don't think i've ever seen a team have five players shoot the same score no i don't think i've <laughs> either no that's right uh, five bloomer. five bloomer players shooting 82 so yeah <laughs> that you do not see that. That doesn't happen. I, no. I, I might that I don't know what the statistical odds of that are, but uh, I'd like to have, see that. But yeah, uh, all five shot uh, the same but, score. Uh, Tucker Johnson uh, finished third out there, Larry. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was at eighty. You know, Tucker just a sophomore. Jonah Zarnicki eighty six. Andrew Brown ninety two. So, you know, the Warriors did enough uh, to come in third up there behind McDonald, Regis, and Bloomer. So, very good job for Nielsville. And so, Bloom uh, McDonald Regis finishes the regular season as the team champion. Yeah. Uh, Nielsville finished fourth. Yep, and I believe is Andrew Bauer is it that was the Andrew med- Bauer, yeah, yep. medalist for the season. So yeah, yeah, he's been on top all season. So Tucker Johnson finished fifth individually. Yep. So he's an all-conference conference. player. Yeah, good for Tucker. I believe he was. I don't know if he made all-conference last year or not, but uh, is a sophomore and he's going to have two big years ahead of him. Too, yes, he so, is. So. Very good young golfer. Yes, he is. Tucker Johnson. We will see him in a state meet sooner than later. So. I think so. Yep, you're right. Yep. All right, uh, boys and girls, uh, baseball or baseball and uh, softball. Uh, Nielsville's kind of fallen on some hard times here yeah. uh, as of late, losing yeah. to Marathon and Osseo. Yeah, you have two tough, pretty good competition. Marathon, I believe, was twelve and two going that game, yep. and then Osseo's been right up there in the middle of the pack and top of the pack in the Western Clover Belt. But uh, yeah, they both handed it to the Warriors pretty good, but. Uh, Warriors got to pick it up. They've got a big game tomorrow. Yeah, uh, up here at Henry Luke's Field 
against Spencer, and a win gives them the Eastern Belt title. So they got to pick it up. Yep, you're right. Uh, and uh, it's been kind of a, uh, you know, I talk with my son, uh, my son yeah. Andrew, and it's they just haven't gotten that lucky break. Uh, yeah. It seems like every ball that's been hit is right hit hard at, at somebody. Right, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, you look what it was going on early in the season. Everything was going right for them yep. in the first uh, two-thirds of the season. Now in the back half, of the thir- uh, nothing is going right. Yeah, and, it's uh, not the good time of the year you want no, that to happen. No, exactly, because uh, – <laughs> Um, I haven't seen if the WI has put out the baseball brackets yet, but the Warriors will be starting them soon. So, yeah, next week uh, yeah. is when the baseball uh, tournament yeah. gets underway. Yeah, I haven't seen the brackets. Uh, Jason Zaleski had the Warriors predicted as a five, I believe, and then that, that would have gave them a home game against the twelve team. So, but uh, we'll see what it is when the WIA comes out. So, well, yeah. I am uh, looking right now. And here we go. They are a six seed. Okay. A six seed. So they are going to uh, just make sure I got the right year here. There we go. <laughs> they are going to host Augusta. Okay. On uh, Thursday of next week, okay. May twenty fifth. May twenty fifth. Okay. So the winner will be uh, at Mondovi. Mondovi. Mondovi gets a bye. Yeah, and Mondovi is a very good ball club. They are rated in D four. So, yeah. So yeah. or D three, excuse me. So yeah, Nilsville played. Uh, let's see, they played Marathon Spencer. They played. Uh, Osseo Fairchild, they're all, and they're going to play Stratford coming up Monday. They're Monday. all in that regional. Yep. So, so very tough regional, but they should know, that, you know, if things go right, the Warriors should be right in it, hopefully. So, but one, yeah, if they play their game, play yeah. their game. Yeah. Things are good. You know, they're too good of players not to let it get away from them, but uh, they've got the depth and we'll see what happens. But, uh, They've they've got the, they've got what it takes for a tournament run though. So yeah, so. again they are the sixth seed. They will host Augusta right. next Thursday yep. at Henry Luke's Baseball Field yep. in Nielsville. Okay. All right, uh, girls softball, uh, co-conference champions. Yep, Nielsville. <laughs> what an exciting win last week at Columbus. Huh? Yeah, what a, what a game that <laughs> yeah, was. Yeah, I, I was watching that uh, on Zaleski, and you know, of course, uh, you know, Joe. Uh, Anderson was doing the play-by-play, and he had no clue what was going on there at the end. But uh, I thought uh, Trunkel had the tag, but you know the, uh, the umpire called her safe. But then he went out and talked to the other umpire, and then called her out. So you know what yeah. happened? I don't know. If well, it was well we were kind of uh, pondering as uh, some of us were looking at it. Maybe the girl was out of the baseline. Possibly but too. Yeah, yeah. You look at it again. She trying took to avoid wa- the tag. Yeah, came in very wide. So, but. Uh, the bottom line is they, they called her out, and then the Warriors got a nice 3-2 to two win uh, uh, just a week after being handed a 13-2 to two loss at right. home by Columbus. So, you know, kudos to the Warriors for picking it up and coming back and, and doing well. And that should, uh, you know, help them a lot going into tournament play, Larry, which they start Tuesday at home versus Stanley Boyd. Right. Yep. And Stanley Boyd uh, is kind of coming on here at the yeah, end. Yeah, you know, and, and they, they're – tested too you know you come through that tough uh west west with yeah. fall creek and mcdonald and and who uh Bloomer. Bloomer. so you know they should be tested so the warriors will have a good one there and if they can get through that one then they'll be heading to baldwin woodville on thursday to play the uh more than likely more baldwin woodville does have a game yes they do that's right but uh we'll, we'll they are the number one, one seed so yeah. Looks like they would go to Baldwin Woodville. So, yeah. Again, so. you can check WIAAWI.org for all yeah. the brackets for the upcoming boys, uh, baseball and girls softball, as they do have those out there. 
uh, on the websites uh, right uh, now. One other high school note, Larry, yeah. that I came across. Ron Wilczek will not be returning next year as Marshall Columbus head girls basketball coach. I did see that, yes. And uh, he, Ron has been the head coach the last five seasons for the girls. And before that, he had a run as the boys coach also. But mm-hmm. 63 and 57 in five seasons, I think he's done a really nice job for Columbus. He got them into the uh, into the crossover, uh, the second-place crossover this year. So first time he'd ever done that. But uh he is stepping down, and they are going to go in a different direction, I guess. All right. So, All right. Well, one more note on boys' golf, too. Their regionals are uh, May 23rd and 24th. Okay, so that'd be uh, next Tuesday, Tuesday or Wednesday. Tuesday or Wednesday. Yep. yep so. For boys' golf regionals. Yep. All right, so uh, let's get into uh, where are they now before we continue okay. on here this morning. Larry, I'm going to go down to Pittsville and talk about Chad Lilly. And Chad was a 1991 graduate of Pittsville High School. Chad was a three-sport star for the Panthers. In the fall, he was a three-year letter winner for the Panther football team. His sophomore year, the Panthers were 4-5. and five. Chad was honorable mention as a defensive back in the Merriwood Conference. His junior year, the Panthers were 5-4. and four. Chad rushed for 885 yards and nine touchdowns, and on defense, intercepted five passes. He was a first-team selection on both the offensive and defensive all-conference teams for the Merriwood Conference. His senior year, the Panthers were 9-3 and and were co-champs in the Merriwood Conference with Edgar and Stratford, qualifying in the WIA playoffs where they lost in the level three. Chad rushed for 1,350 yards and 17 touchdowns and intercepted six passes on defense. He was first-team all-conference on both offense and defense and a Channel 7 All-Star selection on offense and honorable mention All-State. He was also selected to play in the Wisconsin football coaches all-star game that year. In the winter, Chad was a three-sport letter winner on the Pan- uh, three-year letter winner on the Panther basketball team. His sophomore year, the Panthers were 14 and eight regional champs, losing to Loyal in the sectional semifinals. Chad averaged eight points per game. His junior year, the Panthers were 21 and four. They were Merriwood Conference champions, regional champions and sectional champions qualifying for the WIA Class E State Tournament where they lost in the state semifinals to Darlington 65-59. Chad scored 10 points in that game. On the season, Chad averaged 12 points per game and was second-team uh, all-conference selection in the Merriwood. His senior year, Pittsville was a 14-7. Chad averaged 11 points per game and was honorable mention selection on the Merriwood all-conference team. In the spring, Chad was a four-year letter winner on the Pittsville track team. His freshman year, he qualified for the WIA State Class C track meet in both the 100 and 200 meter dashes. His sophomore year, he was Merriwood Conference champion in the 200 and the triple jump, and he qualified for the WIA State Class C track meet in the 100, the 200, and and the triple jump. He would finish fifth in the 200 and third in the triple jump. His junior year, he was conference, regional, and sectional champion in the 100, 200, and triple jump, qualifying for the WIA State D3 State track meet, where he would finish third in the 100 and second in the 200, and with a triple jump of 44 feet 2 inches, he would win the 1990 Class C WIAA State triple jump. His senior year, he would again be Merriwood regional and sectional champion in the 100, 200, and triple jump, qualifying for the WIAA Class C State Tournament in all three events. He would finish fifth in the 100, fourth in the 200, and second in the triple jump that year. Chad is Pittsfield's all-time record holder in the 100-meter dash, the 200-meter dash, and the triple jump. Chad graduated from Pittsville High School in 1991 
and in 2022 was a member of the first class ever inducted into the Pittsville Athletic Hall of Fame. After graduation, Chad would earn an athletic scholarship at Northwestern University to play football for the Wildcat. Chad would earn three letters on the Wildcat football team playing defensive back and special teams. His last three years were for head coach Gary Barnett, who turned the Wildcat football program around and won the foot, uh, Big Ten championship and went to the Rose Bowl in the 1995 season, which was a season after Chad finished his eligibility. Chad graduated in 1995 from Northwestern University with a bachelor's degree in communication studies. Today, Chad is the director of talent acquisition for Crescent Capital Management, which is based in Chicago. Chad and his wife, Karen, reside in Glen Ellen, Illinois. Chad Lilly, Larry. There you go. Yep. That's the name. Yeah. From uh, Pittsville. Yep. Yep. Another good one. Yes. And another track star. I've run across a lot of them lately. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seems like it. Well, good time of the year to have you them You betcha. On. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody Just wants to talk about wrestling in the yeah. spring. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I just read this. Uh, Earlier today, the Northwoods League is getting ready to mark 30 years in business. Yeah. Uh, they start May 29th, uh, and that's going to be growing with the addition of a softball circuit in I heard 2024. That. I heard that, and they kind of want to run it on the same way that the Northwest League, which has been very successful, Larry. Yes. I mean, it basically really started in Wisconsin and parts of Minnesota, and now it's uh, in, in the Dakotas, Canada, Wisconsin, Minnesota, mm -hmm. Illinois, and Indiana. I, I don't believe it's went any farther than that, but uh, man, oh man, and they've got like four divisions now a team, so it's yeah. been very successful. You know, it's it's been something. You know, it's always the Cape Cod League out east was always kind of the uh, banner holder for off -se uh, off season baseball competition, but I think the Northwest League has really come a, come along a yeah, long way. A number so. of players have got into the majors. You bet. Yeah, and from the Northwest. Yeah, locally, uh, Jordan Zimmerman from Auburndale, who uh, played at UW Stevens Point, but then. He and he went uh, through uh, Express along with Dalton Varshall yeah. from Marshfield. Both played for the Eau Claire Express, and both uh, Jordan, of course, now retired, but Dalton doing very well for the Toronto Blue Jays now. So, yeah, Chris yep. Sale, Max Scherzer, yes, absolutely. Pete Alonzo. Yep, uh, just some of the names that have gone through the yep. Northwoods League yep. and have gone on to uh, very good success yep. in the major league time. Yeah, uh, again, May 29th is when the Northwoods League starts, but uh, they're hoping to get a. Uh, Softball circuit fast in 2024. Pitch, fast pitch softball, I guess, would be about a 40-game season. Yeah. And uh, it sounds like the guy who is up at, at Wausau is kind of one of the brains behind it, it sounds like. Yeah, he's yeah. Uh, he's a supporter of the plan. Yeah. Uh, he's the Woodchuck's owner. Yeah. And he's he, he his plan is to have them bo uh, both play at Athletic Park, which, yeah. which I thought was interesting. But um, Wausau probably doesn't have quite the softball facilities of say like an Eau Claire or a lacrosse or a Madison that a team could play fast pitch on so, yeah so but well they're going to remodel athletic park according uh, apparently okay for, field uh, turf yeah field, field turf, turf infield which would be interesting after yeah. all these years <laughs> 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 but Ath athletic park is still a wonderful place to watch a ball game yeah. I, I went there as a kid and I've been there later on and it's always a nice place to watch yeah, Wausau and Lacrosse are the two markets that have okay. publicly uh, expressed interest in fielding teams okay. for that. Uh, and I, I would, and I wouldn't be surprised, Larry, to see something come out of Eau Claire either, mm -hmm. taking how great the Blue Gold softball program has been over the years, and maybe over the Eastern. You know, you look what uh, UW Oshkosh and Whitewater have done in girls softball too, and you wouldn't be surprised to see something pop up in the Eastern part of the state also. So. Yeah, because I mean these. Uh, 
you know, girls, if they don't go on to college, you know, well, yeah. they have to be in college, actually. But right. uh, yeah. when they're out of college, they really have no place where else. There's been a few pro leagues pop up, but they come and go, it seems yeah. like, you yeah. know, so. But uh, there's, you know, not not really. There's been the few tries, but uh, nothing that's really stuck. So. Not that this will be a pro league. No, but this will this be a summer, summer league, summer too. amateur league. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah. So. And they'll be working, like we said, like the uh, Northwoods League where they uh, stay with a host family. Right, yep. Yep. In the in the city that they're yeah, in. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people understand that how that works in the Northwest League. But yeah, every player, maybe a, maybe a couple of them stay at a host family for the summer. And, yeah. and and of course it's it's a big thing. You got a place to stay while you work on your game all summer. Because quite frankly, a lot of these guys are have got uh, pro ball aspirations. Yeah, and they and, come from all over. Yep. I mean, they're like from yeah. all over the U.S. And of course, where they come from. And of course, the major leagues, the the pro teams love it. Because they use wooden bats all summer too, mm-hmm. um, you know one of the big things they have problems scouting kids is the aluminum bats. You know, mm-hmm. a kid might be a star power hitter with aluminum bat, but um, you really know what he does when he's batting wood. And of course, pro ball is all about wood bats. Right, right, so. yep, makes a difference. You bet. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. All right, since we met last, uh, the Packers and the NFL schedule has come out. Yep. And uh, we kind of mentioned, because they kind of leaked it out, <laughs> we mentioned on our show, the yeah. Packers' schedule, they open up uh, at Chicago against right. the uh, the Chicago Bears. But um, head coach Matt LaFleur talked with Larry McCarron on, on their website. It's called, uh, they talked about the uh, Packers' schedule, and here's how that conversation went with those two. Packers head coach Matt LaFleur joins us now to talk schedule. And Matt, you've seen it, if you could. Give it a letter grade, A, B, C, D, whatever. How about TBD? <laughs> Does that count? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think every year you look at the schedule and you just you, you try to find uh, areas where you have less time to prepare for an opponent or conversely if you have more time. And I, certainly having a, an early Thursday is one that is uh, going to be marked on the schedule, a home game versus Detroit. And, it's interesting that they put a bye week two weeks after that. So, um, all in all, the schedule is what it is, and we got to be prepared and ready to play each and every week. You open on the road in Chicago, no less, for the fifth straight year. What is with that? That's a heck of a question. <laughs> That's something I, I thought was going to change. There's nothing like having an opening day game at your home uh, stadium with your crowd behind you but again the schedule makers said uh, that's not the case and we'll be prepared to play against a, a Chicago Bears team that certainly looks on paper much improved so um, it'll be a great challenge for us. I want to talk to you about a couple of schedule dichotomies I think that's the word you have five primetime games which is business as usual for the Green Bay Packers but you also have eight noon starts how do you look at that that that's going to be a little bit of a change i don't feel like we've had that in the past those those early kickoffs um but you know ultimately we'll prepare our guys throughout the course of the preseason to get acclimated to those early kicks and hopefully the the ones that are home our our fans get up a little bit earlier and make sure they take care of business in the parking lot prior to kickoff so they're nice and rowdy for us might those noon starts offer you an avenue of motivation. Sometimes that's about respect. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of times you, you can use it as that, but the bottom line is our guys got to get 
ready to play each and every week. And it doesn't really matter where we're playing, who we're playing, what time we're playing. Ultimately, each game is, is a great test in this league. And, you know, we've got to make sure our preparation's on point throughout the course of the week. The other dichotomy is you face six playoff teams, but then you also face eight teams who had 10 or more losses last season. Does last season and a team's performance, good or bad, factor in at all? Uh, I don't think so. Um, I think each year is a new year, and you got to reinvent yourself each and every year, And whether you're a great team the year before or, or you weren't as good as you wanted to be. And that's the case every year in the National Football League, and nothing's more evident of that by looking at the teams that make the playoffs that didn't make it the previous season. The week six bye comes after a Monday nighter in Las Vegas. So with the bye, you take a potential short week. It becomes a real long week. How do you look at that? I, I do think that is a luxury to have, especially when you're talking about a road game in Vegas. You know, it just it helps you for, for your next game to give those guys a rest. Shoot, maybe we'll stay out there. I don't know. Just kidding. Matt. Playing in Detroit on Thanksgiving Day, where it's a huge tradition. You grew up in Michigan, probably watched a thousand of those games. Is that kind of special, or have you been doing this long enough where it's not? I actually, I, I do think it's very special. I think, you know, you're the only game on television uh, in that time slot, and certainly growing up in Michigan and, you know, just with my family, it bring, does bring back a lot of memories. And my only other experience, I want to say, playing on Thanksgiving Day is when I was coaching in Washington, we went down to Dallas, and, you know, thankfully we beat them, so hopefully we can follow suit here in, in Green Bay. Matt, do you spend much time talking to your guys about the schedule? Not too much. Um, we, we've got so much stuff that we have to worry about and in terms of the things that we can control, and that is making sure that our guys have a great attitude and they're giving great effort each, each and every day and that we're continuously making those strives to get incrementally better each and every day. Last thing, you've got a young quarterback. You've got a young team. Is support at Lambeau Field by your fans, is that more important than ever? I think it's always important, no matter who's out there. Um, certainly, I think our players feed off the energy that is uh, produced by our fans, and it's not, it's, it's, there's no better place to play. What a great atmosphere. we got the best fans in the world, so hopefully they'll show out for us and, and we can uh, feed off their energy. Matt, thanks for the time, and go get them. Thanks, Larry. All right, there it is. Some good stuff there from uh, Larry McCarron with Coach yeah. Matt LaFleur of the uh, Packers talking about the schedule and, uh, yeah, how times have changed. Uh, used to be they always had noon starts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, we usually could have a good game of touch football when we were kids, Larry, because we knew the Packers always played at noon. You always had plenty of time to play a game of football before yeah. chores. Right, right. Yeah, but now it's uh, it's it's they're saying it's kind of a – uh, an oddity. Yeah, I, I, I think it's, I think Larry McCarron probably hit it right. Larry said it's it's a prove prove us schedule. You know, mm -hmm. let's prove to the NFL we deserve those uh, three twenty five starts. Yeah, you know, things right. like that. So, you know, one other I thought the you know they talk about uh, starting on the road for the fifth season in a row. I thought a bigger happened or uh, oddity. Larry was uh, the second week going to Atlanta. Usually, when you start your first 
game on the road. Your second game is at home. Right. Here the Packers will not play their third game. Their first game at home will be their third game. So, right, so, yeah, against you know. uh, the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, so that, I thought that was more odd than, than starting on the road. So, Yeah, their home games, they have the Saints, then they have uh, the Vikings, the Rams, mm. the Chargers, the Chiefs, the Buccaneers. All at home, and the Bears, yeah. the last game of the season, kind right. of weird there. You got yeah, the Bears. first and last. Yeah, Bears' first and last games of the season <laughs> with the Bears. Uh, preseason, they don't know the dates yet, but uh, they are at Cincinnati, the first one. Mm-hmm. Then they have New England and Seattle, yep. both at home. Pretty good tests there. You know, I said both, you know, with uh, uh, Cincinnati and then uh, out at Seattle, or, and then uh, New England at home. All pretty good ball clubs, all who have play, uh, playoff aspirations, so... Pretty good tests, and you know it's going to be a big preseason for Jordan Love, right? You know, yeah. just see what he can do. So there you go. All right, so that's the uh, that's the Packers uh, end of it. Uh, the Brewers had a three game winning streak, and then uh, yeah, went into St. Louis. You know, uh, since uh, you know anybody who thought St. Louis was dead, yeah, I, I don't believe that forever. The Brewers no. seem to always bring out the best in them, but. <laughs> Just, you know, I said you go into St. Louis in three games, you score four runs. Thankfully, three were in one game. Right. You know, well, they got to win. But, uh, man, oh, man, a lot of poor hitting with men in scoring position, Larry. What did they say? They were two for 21? Yeah, I said, we'll see what happens, but uh, something's got to change there. They did pick up Darren Ruff, who's a pretty good right-handed hitter. He's got he, – and he will be doing some DHing and playing first base. But uh, – uh, another starter goes down, yeah. Wade Miley, with a strained lat. You know, I kind of figured that's probably going to be two to four starts for him. Yeah. So you've already got Woodruff, Woodruff on, on the yeah. and Woodruff is now on the sixty day deal. Right. So yeah. you know, there I would imagine Colin Ray is probably going to have to come back up and probably get some starts, but. Uh, Somewhere in there, they're going to have to get uh, probably find some more starting pitching. And so, it don't get any easier this weekend. Yeah, you're going to Tampa Bay, and Tampa Bay has been on top of the major leagues all season. Yeah. And, uh, and they're, you're going down to their house, which is uh, a weird dome to play in, first of all, because it seems like a lot of balls get lost up in the roof there, or they hit. there's catwalks there that they hit. Is that, that's Tropicana, right? That's Tropicana yeah. Field, yep. So a little different uh, place to play, especially when, you know, it's it's a lot different than the roof that you play in it at uh, American Family Field. So yeah, so, yeah. So. And uh, speaking of baseball, um, I read this here if I can find it about uh, attendance at Oakland A's games. Very very poor. <laughs> uh, they drew two thousand sixty four fans on Monday. Wow, their lowest since nineteen seventy nine. Of course, yeah. they're moving to Vegas, right? Yeah, and in, and you got to remember too, seventy eight, seventy nine. They were very, very bad. Larry. Yeah, um, that's what the end the end of Charles Finley, who was a, a notorious notorious for being cheap, mm-hmm. and he really put some poor teams out there, and and they said. You could people would sit in the press box and you could count the people there, and, <laughs> and some nights it would be less than a thousand, even though the attendance would say twenty five hundred. So yeah, well but, they had two thousand Monday, and their yeah. Stockton Ports, their low A minor league affiliate, drew over forty nine hundred <laughs> the same day. But, uh, you know, I'm sure the fan, you know, with all this talk about yeah. uh, Las Vegas building a new stadium and then moving there, it's. They probably said the heck with it. They, you know, they lost uh, the Raiders, and now they're probably going to lose the A's. Yeah. I think they are going to lose the A's. But, you know, I said for years both those teams were playing in the Oakland Alameda Coliseum, which is yeah. it's terribly outdated. And 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 the days of two teams using the same stadium in baseball and football are long gone. Yeah, and, right. Uh, 
and nobody wants to deal with that anymore. And, and uh, it's a stadium that was made for baseball, but very, very anti- antique now. So, yeah. you know, it's no luxury boxes or anything like that. And that's what it takes to survive these days. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, got to so have extra. Lots of entertainment. Yep, you, you know, bet. So, All right. Uh, I believe since we last met as well, uh, Coach Mike Budenholzer was fired by the Milwaukee Bucks. Right. So they are uh, in the process of looking for a new head coach, and yeah. I see they interviewed Calvin Sampson. Yeah, and I, that kind of surprised me, though. I believe Calvin Sampson was on Jason Kidd's staff, Larry, one of the coaches. I, yeah, he I'm was pretty, an assistant with one I'm of them. Pretty yeah. sure it was Jason Kidd, but anyway, uh, you know, making it into the playoffs is no longer job security in the NBA. No. I mean, Mike Budenholzer <laughs> gets fired. Monty Williams, who was in the in the finals with Phoenix against the, the Bucks, he got fired. Uh, and now Doc Rivers, three years in a row uh, with Philadelphia losing in the semis in the East, he's fired. So, yeah, yeah. You know, I said, wow. And and that, what really makes me laugh, Larry, is uh, all right away these guys, along with Nick Nurse, become the top candidates to go to the open jobs. You know. Yeah. Right. But uh, it was kind of refreshing to hear a name like Kelvin Sampson come around. But there's been some other assistants from Kenny At- Atkinson, who's an assistant with the Nets. Um, how about Sam Cassell with the 76ers? Mm, yeah. Right away, his name came up in Milwaukee. But, uh, you know, there are um, a few others out there, too. Um, you know, somebody said, well, Darvin Ham, he's an old buck. But I think Darvin Ham has got a pretty good gig with the Lakers right now. Well, so. and that was the thing that I've heard, too, is that why go after some of these coaches like Nick Nurse and some of these? Yeah. Because they've pretty much done the same thing that Budenholzer's done. Right, so right. why would yeah. you want another one yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah, Monty Williams, Nick Nurse. Mike Budenholzer, Doc Rivers, yeah, Doc, you're, they're interchangeable. Yeah, you know, I said, I, I think you need something. I like to say young and fresh. You know, well, and they might go towards what the NFL has been doing. Yes, getting these young assistants yeah, you bet. and coordinators. Yeah, to young come in. coordinators. Um, one guy on Budenholzer's staff who's getting a lot of looks is Charles Lee. Mm-hmm. I know he had an interview in Detroit. So you know, and there's a there's a young guy, never been a head coach, but. Has been been a big part of a winning tradition, so right. So right. We'll, we'll see, but uh, yeah, it just kind of makes me laugh, you know. Right away, these uh, guys get fired and they're on the top of somebody else's list. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, somebody that's on top of the world is the San Antonio Spurs organization. Yeah, yeah. won the lottery, <laughs> and they they had fairly high odds to win that, didn't right. they? Yeah, yeah, they weren't one of the top. No, top three anyway. No, yeah, no. so. But uh, yeah, yeah. The top player is a kid out of uh, Europe somewhere, isn't he? French, French, he's French superstar Victor Wembanyama. Yeah, yeah you say he's clear, clear cut number one this year. So he is the top most anticipated prospect since LeBron James. Yes, yes, I, I and that's really putting a, uh, a lot on that young man's shoulders right there. So he, uh, they showed the San Antonio Spurs. I don't know where it was. It was a big place where a lot of people were watching the uh, draft lottery and. And when their name was announced as a top one, boy, I tell you, they were going nuts. Yeah, and the last two times that they have won the draft lottery, Larry, they drafted David Robinson in 1987, and in 1997 they drafted Tim Duncan. And so a lot of NBA titles have come out of their last two uh, lottery picks. And I so, would assume that it's going to happen again. Yeah, and so we'll see. But the, uh, the Spurs are one team that's had a lot of success in the lottery. So Yes. And uh, that lottery, by the way, drew the event's fifth largest TV audience of the past 20 years. Yeah, it was good. I even watched it. So (laughs) (laughs) it was fun to watch. And it was interesting, you know, when they used to have it, it just used to be all general managers there. And now teams are sending players and all kinds of different representatives to the 
mm-hmm. to the lottery pick. So, okay. So, but uh, well, L.A. Lakers, uh, we switched to the playoffs yeah. here or in the uh, in the conference finals. Yeah. If they would win the championship this year, they would uh, have titles under ten different presidents, <laughs> which breaks the U.S. major sports team record currently held with the Yankees okay. that they share with the Yankees. I should okay. say. Okay, that's tremendous. It's, yeah. Wow. Yeah, they have okay. seventeen titles, but it goes back to. Uh, Harry Truman. They won three times under Harry Truman. Yeah, because they were in the uh, late forties and fifties. Fifties with George Mikan. Yeah, and then of course, um, I don't think they won anything in the sixties because that was nope. all about the uh, Celtics. But yep. you know, in the seventies, they would have won uh, under Nixon. Yep. And then eighties uh, would have been Carter. Carter 19- and uh, four times with Reagan. Reagan. Yeah. So, wow. <laughs> and then it was uh, then they had to wait till the two thousand. Yeah. Okay. Which would have been the end of Bill Clinton. Then. Right. Yeah. Yep. Well, there you go. Ten different presidents if they wow. win it this year. But that, what do you think? That's amazing. I Well, um, I'll tell you what. I watched the game the other night with yeah. Denver. And, and they're playing again tonight. And, yeah, they play game two. Denver, you know, we talked about last week what a physical, how physical they played against Phoenix. And, you know, that's not something we're used to seeing out of the Western Conference. That's more of an Eastern right. Conference yeah. thing. And they, I'll tell you what, they were very physical against L.A. the other night. And I don't think L.A. really uh, was ready for it. Um, the game ended yeah. up being a little closer than yeah, right, yeah, because what it was throughout yeah. the whole game. But uh, you know, I think LA probably learned a lot, and uh, you know, if, if they're gonna get in a series, they got to come back and win game one, or else go to home and win two. But uh, Denver looked very good. So well, you're not going to stop Nikola Jokic. No, they're not. Hopefully, they can slow him down yeah. a little bit. Yeah, more. they they don't <laughs> have anybody on their roster. Who can stop him? No, you know, I don't know if there's anybody in the NBA who can stop him. Very quite honestly, but uh, you got to be able to slow him down, make him take shots that he doesn't like to take. But uh, I don't know who the best defender is on the Laker team, but I think it's that they've got to assign him to Jokic and do what they can. You know, so but. you know, as I look uh, last night, Miami, by the way, uh, surprised Boston, yeah, uh, by seven in Game One yeah. of the Eastern Conference Finals. But you know, I look at the playoffs now with the four teams that are left. All season, yeah. it was the East was they thought yeah. was the the better of the two conferences, yeah. but I don't know. I think, I, I think Denver, to me, Denver looks like the best team, and they're not a clear-cut thing to beat the Lakers because the Lakers, I think, Larry, well, it's a toss-up. Who's playing the best basketball in the playoffs? Is it the Lakers or is it Miami? Yeah, yeah he, right. Those are the two teams that are playing best basketball. And, yeah. and I'll tell you what, Miami has a great formula going here. They are going into these, you know, of course, they're in eight seeds, so their first game is on the road. They've went into each venue of their series and have won that game one. Yeah, you know, right. And, you know, and, and they've done a pretty good job splitting at home, and, uh, splitting on the road, then going home and taking two, and then, you know, keep, keeping it in their control. And, that's, and, and then now they've got a good shot to do it against Boston also. Wow, that would be something if Miami and Denver or Miami and the Lakers made it a seven and eight. <laughs> <laughs> that is unheard of. The Lakers barely could make the playoffs, yeah. but they would end up right. having home field home uh, court advantage in the finals. So. Wow, yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> yep, that so, would be amazing. Yep. So, um, all right, a lot of stuff here today. Oh, you bet. So, and a lot more to come next week because the tournaments are all starting and. Uh, the playoffs keep going, and, and football season gets closer and closer. So yeah, I think they have the OTA starting up next week you bet. So, for uh, NFL yep. teams. Yep. So. All right, so that'll wrap it up for uh, this week on Two Guys on Sports. I'm Larry Hazel. I'm Dick Olson. We'll talk to you again next week.